evening and welcome to a special festive edition of No Pressure to be Funny from the Phoenix in Cavendish Square. My name is Alistair Barry and I'd like to apologise to listeners of the podcast for your immediate sense of disappointment, but then it's hardly my fault you weren't here for the warm-up. We're not even sure that our studio audience want to be here. We suspect they're only still in London because air traffic control is broken and the motorways are full of breastfeeding immigrants. <laughs> it's lovely to get a chance to do the monologue, although I will be using notes as I'd hate to leave anything important out and have some smart still bringing it up months later. I hope it's good, but I did write it while being waterboarded, so it may not be particularly useful. To be honest, I'm not sure if I'm fully on top of the news this week, as I spent most of last week getting married. Thank you. Thank you very much. So it, was, it was a perfect day, but then I knew she was the girl for me after we went on holiday to South Africa a couple of years ago, and we both came back. <laughs> But what what a year for news. UKIP started the ball rolling in January when David Sylvester claimed that gay marriage caused floods and most of the comedy community took a week off. Now, UKIP have two MPs and the Treasury has just earmarked £2.3 billion for flood defences. It's pretty clear they're taking the UKIP threat a lot more seriously. It's been an astonishing year in court across the world, unless you're a gun-toting American cop, in which case you won't have to go to court. It was decided Oscar Pistorius is not a murderer, which is fair enough, but you won't catch me queuing in front of him for the gents. (laughs) On a more upbeat front, Malala Yousafzai was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. There really is nothing like a 17-year-old winning the most prestigious award in international politics and diplomacy to make a 43-year-old comedian in a basement feel he's slightly underachieving. (laughs) also proves there's nothing comedians can't get bitter about. And finally, in festive news, as the BBC announces theme parks based on some of its most popular shows, we'd like to announce the creation of our very own Christmas theme park. It's a call centre full of James O'Brien sound likes with me and Nick Revel dressed as elves. We've even got a name for it. It's going to be called No Pressure to Be Fun. And it's still better than the Top Gear one. Thank you very much indeed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as is traditional, uh, we start with some music. It's a pleasure to welcome uh, our musical guest this evening, a regular contributor to No Pressure to Be Funny. Uh, His Twitter feed describes him as a radicalised fundamentalist agnostic, which we think means he has recently become deeply angry about something. He's just not sure what. It's probably time to find out. Please welcome Mr Paul Thorne. Thank you very much. This, uh, this next song is um, a party political broadcast on behalf of UK. Oh, wife, we're out to dinner. Now look at you in front of me. Before my very eyes, the lengths that you will go to. Oh, no, I've seen too much. Seen it all. Breastfeed in the corner. It's just not right. I can still see a smidgen of your left breast, and it makes me angry and bitter. 
And for ten quid we could have got a Polish babysitter And now I've seen too much I've seen it all One minute we were laughing Then it all changed When you thought you heard the baby cry That was just for cream That was just for cream That was just for cream Now get in the corner Get out of the spotlight When you're oozing your lactation So me, I'll see you later. Cheers. Mr. Paul Thorne, ladies and gentlemen. Paul Thorne. You take nothing away from this evening, you'll take away the phrase oozing your lactation. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to welcome No Pressure to Be Festive's Christmas panel. Would you please welcome Hal Cruttenden, Michael Deacon, Jojo Smith, and Mr. James O'Brien. Hal Cruttenden is an enormously overrated comedian. He was also best man at my wedding last week, and as a result, I'm regarding this entire show as an opportunity to get my own back for his speech. (laughs) Michael Deacon is the political sketch writer for The Telegraph and also has a blue tick on Twitter, which means he is more successful than Hal Cruttenden. (laughs) Jojo Smith is a former journalist and an enormously underrated comedian who should probably have been on Live at the Apollo twice, unlike certain other comedians I could mention. (laughs) Our final panellist is Mr James O'Brien, who needs no introduction, unless you're Nigel Farage, in which case the introduction should probably be something like, look out, Nigel, it appears this chap has done some research. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the panel. And having, having covered uh, in Paul's excellent song, uh, I should also apologise at this stage for uh, the panel doesn't include either Nigel Farage or Russell Brand or, for that matter, for X Factor fans, Mel B, who sadly couldn't be with us this evening. And you can feel the disappointment coasting through the audience as I speak. <laughs> but uh, I was just wondering if any of you would like to apologise for not being Russell Brand or Nigel Farage at this stage. And how did you find question time this week? <laughs> I think I am quite like Russell Brand, because I'm sort of quite opinionated and can't really back it up with figures. Um, <laughs> not quite as sexy. No, I, I, it was a massive disappointment, wasn't it? Because I, it was almost... Uh, Russell Brand was nervous the first time ever, I thought. Because he's very... That's, Russell is a very charismatic guy. I think yeah. that's his biggest thing. I was actually listening to it on the radio, which made it, it was even more tedious than it would have been on telly. There was nothing to look at. Apparently, Russell had his chest hair straightened, and that was very exciting. <laughs> but... Michael, you wrote a review of it for The Telegraph. Do you feel that was what The Telegraph uh, readers were interested in this week? Uh, chess hair, yeah. They're, they're always interested in chess hair. I didn't cover that at all, uh, which <laughs> I think was a terrible dereliction of duty. Um, but, yeah, Brand didn't really say anything. Well, he, he started off with a couple of good lines about Farage, about him being a pound shop, Enoch, Enoch Powell, and all the rest of it. And then he realised that Nigel Farage was not remotely phased by this because Nigel Farage is actually quite used to being abused by people. And then he was just totally subdued for the rest of the show, which was quite disappointing because, you, as you say, you expect Brand to be quick on his feet and, you know, um, uh, you know tearing... Nigel there's Farage also there's always that complaint that... Ha- 
the com as a comedian, he wasn't that funny. And you think, well, it is question time. But you wonder if he's meant to be that. There was a, on your article, I read it, it was a wonderful article. And on the website, there's that, that phrase about reading things on the internet. It's like tightrope walking. The view's marvellous, but don't look down. And that's the idea for, for the comments section underneath. But someone did say under your article that if Farage is a pound shop, Enoch Powell, then Russell Brand is a Primark Che Guevara. And I thought that... Yes! Was yes. Well, actually, no. That's not bad. Uh, that's even better than good. that... Um, Someone called him Faye Guevara. Faye Guevara. That's very nice. Well, because as someone, James, as someone who has interviewed Nigel Farage, and I think it's safe to and say, Russell. without blowing smoke too far up your ass, yes. you did rather get the better of him. How did you, did you actually see it? I, I, there's a danger of that interview turning into the time Frank Bruno landed a punch on Mike Tyson. <laughs> 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 I do, actually. There will be a film of it. It's like Ross yeah. Nixon, isn't I like, it? I like, I like O'Brien Farage. I don't think I've, my 42 years on this earth, I've, I might have done something else of vague significance, but I'm struggling mm. to think of anything it's at this a point in time. I'll be honest okay. with you. No, I, I, I'm very grateful. I, oddly, and I mean this sincerely, I, th I think there's similarities between the two characters. I didn't stay up to watch Question Time, but they both seem to be articulating an almost inarticulable position. I mean, they're polar opposite positions. What One of them wants us all to be a little bit nastier and a little bit meaner and a little bit, um, I suppose, greedier without really being able to explain why except shouting foreigners or, 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 or similar. And the other wants us all to be in a similarly loose way, a little bit nicer and a little bit more generous and a, and a little bit richer without really having anything meaningful to say except shouting bankers occasionally. But yeah. I, know, I, I, I know who I'd rather have a pint with. Well, not Russell, because he's been teetotal for the last eight years, but the point stands. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Did you see it, Jojo? I didn't watch it. No, I'm a girl, aren't I? I don't watch it. <laughs> Oh, right. You were, you were <laughs> I watched it on Twitter, which is how I watch most, most TV now. I don't bother actually watching the programmes. I just see what the idiots on Twitter have to say. How did Twitter find it? They're, well, it's about like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 50-50. It was, I don't know. I mean, I was listening to it. It was, it was slightly disappointing. I don't know. Has anyone read, uh, has anyone read Russell's um, book, Revolution? Do you mean has anyone? <laughs> do you mean has anyone on the panel read Russell's well, book no. Revolution? Or, no, or do you mean has I anyone read anyone <laughs> from beginning? I do no, think it's quite it's quite a leap in sort of political terms from you know <laughs> my bookie wook yes <laughs> to my bookie wook two uh, and, to uh, revolution. The, uh, the, yeah, the, the, the new book is slightly less politically informed. Oh, is it? There is a point um, where have you, you, have suggest, you read it, Michael? Um, I've been trying to forget about this, and you're, you're, you're dragging me back into this awful period of my life when I, I had to look at the words on the page. <laughs> um, and um, the, there's, there's one, I think that one of his arguments is that, you know, um, there should be no corporation that makes more profit in a year than the um, GDP of the smallest country of the world. And as Nick Cohen, um, the political economist, pointed out, that would be the island of Tuvalu in the Pacific, which um, has a GDP of 37 million US dollars, which would immediately require the abolition of all large companies and quite a lot of medium-sized companies. So basically anyone who makes any kind of machinery or cars or technology or anything would have to go immediately, and we're more or less back to... Um, yeah, but you, Dark you, Ages. you are ruining the poetry with facts, though. I secretly quite like Russell Brand. I really do. About Not, not in... Because it might help my career, but um, also how is because it secret? 
<laughs> How is making no. Russell Brown going to help your career? Well, I just thought maybe one day, because he plays massive arenas. and he probably, does. He doesn't pay support that well, though, does he? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Now, um, that's, that's what I've heard. That's it. No, but, but, um, oh, maybe he does now. Maybe, I don't know. Anyway, um, are, you interested in writing a, are you interested in writing a book for him? Because no. I think he pays those people quite well. <laughs> no, but I think he is, he is very articulate. He is very bright. I just don't think these people... Great performers are often not great debaters. I think quite often. Have you seen any of his The Trues thing? Yes. I quite enjoy they're some good. of those, but they're really good. But it's, 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 there are, I'm suddenly, in my, this is awful, but in my mind I went, I don't think Hitler would have been a good debater. No. It's just people who can perform. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm, not, he, so I'm not saying Hitler, what a, a great performer. Shall I leave now? But, um, I think actually, but I think Hitler people who can do some, who often that is true. That he's, I, I, I think he fell apart under the thing of being. Do you, do you know what it is? Being, well, it was being heckled, wasn't it? That's the thing. He's a stand-up yeah. comedian, and the last thing like, any true. comedian wants is somebody giving their opinion. Yeah, <laughs> somebody <laughs> else giving their opinion when you're on stage, and that's how it. That's the only thing. The only way he knows how to perform. That's why this this particular evening can be such a such an awkward experience when comedians interrupt each other and offer up differing opinions. You can yeah. feel that you can cut the tension <laughs> with a knife. I'll tell you what it is for for, for, for Russell Brand. I think to be dull, uh, the um. Graft is what is missing. You, you, it's all very well having these feelings, uh, even if they're built on perfectly beautiful instincts and emotions, but you have to put the graft in. And, and people like Russell Brand don't want to because they can turn up on a stage and be wonderful and improvise and, and, and riff off a, off a bloke in the audience wearing a funny T-shirt. But if you really want to engage people politically, you have to be fairly convincing that you've thought about it more than they have, that you know more than they do, and that that's why they should listen to you. And he hasn't quite got that yet. And I wonder. Well, Russell's philosophy does seem to be a lot of, you know, the bad things are bad, and, you know, yeah. good things are good. So yeah. More than that. Like to, yeah. But, I mean, the funny thing, I think, with the, in terms of a comedian versus a politician, in terms of Farage... And I think this happens more and more. I speak as a stand-up comic, but we've got a lot of comedians who are in the public eye not necessarily known for... Russell's known as a comedian, yet you ask anyone to quote one of Russell's bits as a comic. I've worked with Russell, and I think he is an enormously charismatic person. I'm not even sure if he's that brilliant a comic, to be honest with him, with you. He's just... You meet Russell, he's a lovely bloke, and he is this huge charismatic kind of figure but actually as you say whether he's done the but reading is another that's matter. back to Farage then as being hugely charismatic well, this but is having I'm... no policy but, surely, I mean, just... but this is also why they are such men of the people because most of the people haven't really done the reading yeah. So that's why they connect that, so well. That, it's that, true. It's that's why they. It's I mean, no, it, it, you, I just, it's true. Thank, oh, fucking yes! I got. I'm, <laughs> you, you that's found great, mate. I got around the applause. Shit! That's the cleverest thing I've ever said in my entire life. Is that what it Actually, is? Can, can you can you share your Bugger. secret? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, no, yeah. Be great. You, you could lead a political party. What do we want? Less reading. When do we want it? After he's ended. Could I just ask, this is a little uh, straw poll amongst our audience. Has anyone here read the Russell Brand book? Excellent. Well, we clearly, that, that's the way to do it. But the, the point is, actually, if we're talking about political philosophies, it's been another interesting week for UKIP, and I mentioned it at the top of the show. Um, as, as a comedian, UKIP, well, we've had this week, we've had another few stories. Apparently, um, Neil Hamilton has withdrawn from... Uh, from uh, he's not going to be a... Ca- I'm very sorry. He's not going to be... A, comedians are gutted, I tell you. <laughs> he, really, he really is the gift that keeps on taking, isn't he? <laughs> um, but, I mean, there's... Uh, 
Have you ever heard of uh, the, the one uh, question to which the answer is always no, is have you heard the latest UKIP scandal? Because every day <laughs> this year, and I mean, we've now had, I mean, James alluded to it, I think, a little earlier. We had the idea of the guy who was on, he, he called everyone in Chigwell peasants. Yes. That's all right. Well, I know, I was going to say <laughs> I'm not standing for office, so I can heartily endorse that having gigged there, but fuck it. You've got... Um, but then you've got... He was racist, sexist, and then you've got... What, and then we've got Roger Bird. There is a name that really, you know... <laughs> if you're going to get involved in a sex scandal, that's... Did, do we know I what... I thought he was a Viz... I thought he was a Viz cartoonist, <laughs> Roger Bird. Well, that's the thing. UKIP almost are a Viz cartoon-made political party, but where are the voters coming from? Well, I think... Chigwell. Chigwell. They're all in Chigwell. What you've got to bear in mind is that actual humans who are out there somewhere, we don't know about them because we're the metropolitan liberal elite, right? So we don't know about ordinary people. (laughs) But polling shows, you know, there was a poll earlier this year um, that showed that 49% of people in this country think that immigration should be reduced and 20% think it should stop altogether. So that's nearly 7 out of 10 people in this country think either less immigration or none. That's, you know, so, so, so they vote. So they vote for a man who's married to an immigrant. You can't look for lo- you can't <laughs> you can't look for logic. Trust me, I, 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 I have tried, but I don't mean that to sound insulting or, or, or superior. If you think about the effort that's put into making us all um, cross and frightened and, and, and scared and angry, you, you can't actually blame people for feeling the way that they feel. I, I find myself thinking increasingly the amount the amount of effort. When I started on newspapers, there was this old adage about dog bites man is not news, man bites dog is news. And we've, mm. we've all heard that. And yet when it comes to benefit claimant and immigration, um, no one ever does that equation. So you find one Romanian with, a, with 14 children and a mansion in Hyde Park. That, by definition, must be man bites dog. Because if that was happening every day, it would be in the newspapers every day. But they find one example of it, and it's sold to the public by the newspapers usually, and, and a few other fellow travellers in the media, it's sold to the public as Dog Bites Man. And, and I I'm not going to sit in judgment on people who sit there every day opening their newspaper, turning on their radio, turning on their television, Channel 5's doing Benefit Street, they found someone in Poland who claims child benefit from, from working in... And, and people are under the impression that these are huge and epic problems. They're simply not. But, mm. but the effort that's been put into proving that is yeah. minimal. And there's, there's yeah. nothing... There's no voice that... And that... Probably is what someone... And also, with, with Farage, if someone came up to him and said, I'm very worried that 39 million Romanian and Bulgarians are going to move here tomorrow, and I speak to these people at work, and they are worried, and you say to them, surely, if you're a nice person, if you care, if you want to represent them properly, you put an arm around their shoulder, and you say, look, there is no prospect whatsoever of 39 million people moving here tomorrow. It's, it's, a, it's a logical reality in the sense that if we don't sterilise every woman of childbearing age in this country by Christmas, then this time next year, the population could hit the 200 million mark. Or there is absolutely nothing to stop every single person in this country moving to Norwich tomorrow. There are no laws yeah. in place. No, there There's is. nothing I've, there. Have you been There's, to Norwich? Have, <laughs> no, they just... I think you'll find, Alistair, the A11 is now dual carriageway all the way to Norfolk. So there is literally, literally nothing to stop every yeah. human being in Britain and moving to Norwich tomorrow. Well, no, but but he doesn't. He doesn't <laughs> soothe them or calm them or comfort them. He goes, I know! It's awful, isn't it? And they go away angrier. And frankly, I don't blame them anymore. I don't blame people for how they feel. But at the same time, when Farage was con- consistently asking Russell Brand, do you think this, do you think yes. this country is full... Yes. And no one gave an answer, and I don't personally think this country is full. And everyone no. could move to Norwich, but it is full of UKIP voters who seem to think about black people the same way they feel about motorways. I've seen pictures, but I don't really think they exist. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you said that. I used to work, 
I, I used to work in Norwich, and, and I was doing a, a chat show there. Uh, it's just occurred to me that anyone who you are Alan Partridge. I, I am. Alan Partridge. <laughs> I was staying in the Linton Travel Lodge. Up with the O'Brien. It's <laughs> just occurred to me anyone who listens to my radio show has heard every single story I'm ever going to fucking tell. So I, I, I apologise in advance for that. I really do. But the, um, the, 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 there was, I was doing a chat show and there was a legendary story about Anglia Television that involved a jewellery robbery in the, in, the, in the early 80s, I think. It wasn't even the 70s. That had been undertaken by a couple of West Indian gangsters from West London. I think they were Yardies. And... This was still, in the early 80s, so remarkable in, in Norwich that no one in, in CID, when they failed, failed to find any actors of colour, no one in CID objected when the chief inspector said, well, why don't a couple of us just black up and play the, <laughs> um, play, play the criminals? Do you remember, for the Anglia equivalent of Police Five with Shaw Taylor, you, you remember that, keep, keep, keep the appeal. <laughs> and, uh, we were unable to locate the tapes, but I have it on impeccable authority that two, two police officers, two Anglia television executives... And um, I, I, I can't remember who the other person was, but five people lost their jobs and, and they never found the diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> well, UKIP is good. I mean, I, we we're going to see UKIP as the story that keeps on giving, I'm sure, into the election next year. That will be very interesting. But uh, looking at more the sort of the, the problems that they are identifying and therefore the problems the country are identifying, the other thing we've learned this week is the main problem with poor people, of course, is they don't know how to cook. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wondering uh, if anyone on the, if you had any signature dishes on the panel oh. that you would perhaps offer to, to the, the poor who, you know, clearly haven't got the hang of toast. And oh. I mean, Jojo, if you were going to cook something, what would you cook uh, for rich people and for poor people? Uh, I'd, I'd grill some salmon. You'd grill some salmon? Yeah, and chuck some, sp- microwave some veg from Mark's in a bag. From Mark's? Yeah. Oh, you bourgeois fool. Well... <laughs> It did because the queues are bigger in Aldi. Oh, uh, yeah. so you've got to time Aldi. I just because now credit crunch. I'm like, I'm, you know, it's hit me finally. I did. I lost that Aldi cherry last year, <laughs> and and I'm addicted. But you have to go so early. You got lunchtime. You can't. It's like fucking Wembley. You can't get in. <laughs> the one in Kilburn, anyway. I don't know what the rest is. It's only a little one, but they cu- they've had to take half the shelves out to make room for the queues. That's how busy it is. So, Mark's no fucker in there. Can, can I just say, Waitrose I, is round also. <laughs> Wait, no, um, I, I, I Kilburn it isn't. I would say it's lovely because because people like Jojo have gone. Waitrose is far more space. Um, <laughs> wow, how to win friends in the audience? How's little? Well, look at the look on Hal Cotton's <laughs> face. That was we a do have little. little in our town. Have you excellent, visited? excellent wine range, actually. There is an Very excellent good, wine yeah. range. That, that's from it the Telegraph. It, that it, is remarkable. Going into little is like going to. My wife's from Northern Ireland, and going and looking in an estate agent's window in Northern Ireland is like, oh, how much? It's so cheap. It's fantastic. Um, sorry, is that awful? But it is true. <laughs> every, every time you're in Belfast, you pick up a couple of uh, semis, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Stick those in the trolley. In the no, but honestly, I know that's a really trite quote, but God, it's really good that if anyone. Anyway. Um, Northern Ireland's fantastic for property. But sorry, um, we're, we're meant to be Little. saying my signature dish. No, no, do you have dish. a signature dish that you would offer to the I'm poor? I'm a terrible, terrible cook. I'm te- I've completely fallen apart. Which is what's so ridiculous about this, this um, the, the point made about poor people don't... You know, it's... I'm, I am middle-class posh twat. I'm married oh, to a, I'm married, I can't cook. I'm married to a woman from a council estate in Northern Ireland who is a fantastic cook. So it, I'm just showing, yeah, OK, so shut up. Um, that's my fo- I'm no, a terror honestly I've got worse fish fingers that, that, didn't, that didn't get anyone on your side that made no, it sound I've lost like you've married completely. a servant is there a- <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> She's marvellous what she can do with what She's we dig up from our organic veg pad. I had to marry her after paying her for five years. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like Lady Mary and the chauffeur, but for the 21st century, isn't it? James, do you have a signature I, I, dish? I, I, I love cooking. But You're a bit I, of a foodie, I, I know I, that. Well, I, I like cooking. I don't know how good I am at it, but I also do... I, I understand what that politician was trying to say, which, which might be a bit odd. And I liked her apology as well. I thought it was quick and to the point and... And, and, and necessary, but there is a danger when you're walking home from work or school or the bus stop and you see 30 chicken shops between the short journey from, from work to home and, and you can read Jamie Oliver or people like us saying, well, it's actually very bad for you, but if there's 30 of them, it can't be that bad for you. If I, Every turn, every advert, everywhere I turn, people are telling me to eat rubbish and feed it to my children. Mm. I, I think people actually do and you stop cooking the more stressed you are the busier you are the poorer you are the less you likely you are to cook from fresh it's very hard to actually have a store cupboard everyone writes about well you can have you can cook a perfectly adequate pasta supper for, for, for 40 pence a head but only if you've got in the in the cupboard all the stuff you need so i i don't know i, I worry slightly that we we laugh at politicians who are sort of fumbling in the dark to say something helpful and accurate yeah. they get it slightly wrong and then we jump on them like like Flynn. So, I, I, anyway, the answer no, to your question no, is no, think, the I answer to your question, Alistair, is spaghetti carbonara. Marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did it yesterday, but with fusilli. Anyway, cracking <laughs> on. <laughs> um, I, I, I was going to say, I think, I think James is, is right about, about that. I mean, probably what Baroness, was it Baroness Jenkins? Yes. Baroness Jenkins, what she meant to say was poor people can't cook, and, and neither can non poor people, but someone must have cut her off in the middle of the sentence. Because in general, I don't think people can cook in the way that 50 years ago you had to be able to cook because there wasn't so much processed yeah. food yeah. And, there were, and there weren't all the KFCs everywhere, and therefore you had no choice. And people maybe these days, you know, we all have an idea that processed food is very cheap and junk food is cheap, but actually fresh vegetables are cheaper, but we're all too lazy. But I, I do think it's true what you say is that this, these days I think we have a kind of – we kind of treat politics as if it's like a children's fairy story. Yeah. It's all made up of goodies and baddies. And if we're on the left, we think that the Tories are all evil and they deliberately want to hurt poor people. Somewhere. And if we're on the right, <laughs> if we're on the right, if people on the right think, you know, we are the goodies because we are patriotic and we care about our country, whereas the left are deliberately trying to undermine all of society and all of civilization. They want to destroy the family and everything. And it's all about goodies versus baddies. And so I think because she is posh and she's a lord and she's a Tory, people think, well, she's deliberately trying to undermine the poor and she'd, she wants them just to eat gruel or die or something. But I, I don't think that's what she meant to say. She no, just no, of course expressed it. herself totally ineptly. She but may, I don't think it's what she meant. She, may she was trying to help. Taken strong painkillers, of course. We have to they, bear yes. I mean, I, I, just wanna, I just I want to apologise because um, I had a headache earlier. I took a couple of Nurofen and I keep asking black people where they come from really. And I <laughs> make clear. My, my, my son as well, he had... He had an earache earlier this week, took him to the doctor. The doctor gave him um, a load of anti- antibiotics. And ever since then, he's been... He just can't, can't stop calling for the repatriation of all British Muslims. <laughs> and I've been saying to him, first of all, Islam is a faith. It's not an ethnicity, so therefore you can't just repatriate them. A lot of uh, British Muslims are actually white British people. Second of all, you're only nine months old, and I, <laughs> I, I never thought that your first word would be repatriation. <laughs> but... He won't stop, so I've had to take away the antibiotics. He's in terrible pain, but he's a lot less racist now. (laughs) (laughs) And wonderfully articulate for a nine-month-old. That is good news. Now, we're going to uh, change up the subject because we've got a lot to get through. It's a review of the year in many ways. Obviously, uh, speaking comedically, one of the great tragedies of the year is we will never see the second series of Dapper Laughs. And I just wondered, uh, for a start, do we have any Dapper Laughs fans on the panel? Good. Do we have any <laughs> Dapper Laughs fans in the audience? 
Does anyone actually feel slightly sorry for Dapper Laughs? Who is Dapper Laughs? <laughs> right, well, that says all that you need to know. Well, my lad. You're not aware of who Dapper Laughs is. Dapper Laughs is a comedian... Don't, don't ruin his life. No. <laughs> Dapper Laughs, alleged comedian who uh, had a... Was, so basically, this, this question is more to do with, uh, with sexism. And also, uh, we were talking about subjects we wanted to talk about before. And Jojo, you were talking about uh, the rise of feminism again this year and you being slightly surprised by it. I know it's a, yeah. not quite a connected subject, but... Uh, well, the, the feminism... Well, this year... Well, and a bit last year as well, I guess. But, I'm yeah, because I thought that was all done and dusted. You know, I'm 53, so I'm, like, not the first wave of the bra burners. I'm, I came just after them. And I thought that we can more or less have equality. Right. Um, and then what's happened, certainly in comedy, is a lot, a lot of the younger female comedians have started coming out, oh, it's all so unfair. It's all, you know, somebody asked me to get my tits out. It's all so unfair. When Joe I Brown... I have had that a lot. Yeah, I, yeah, well, but you have got nice tits. Hairy. But when Joe Brand started on the circuit, people used to throw tables at her. Mm. So to be honest, if somebody's saying get your tits out, that's not the worst thing that can happen in the world. No, fair enough. And 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 I just I find it a bit it's just a bit tragic really that women not just women female comedians, but that's the bit that I've noticed. In it's almost like they're making victims of themselves. And they're like, oh, you know, oh, it was, ter- you know, this, this man looked at me terrible. Oh, this promoter said he'd drive me to the station and he dropped me across the road. And, oh, and I'm so weak and vulnerable. Fuck off. There are women in the world who can't get on a bus without getting raped. That is inequality. Within the comedy circuit, we've got it really good. But do you think that looking at beyond the comedy circuit and actually on the wider plane, that there is a problem with feminism in society at the moment? Not, or do you think the, the equality West. has arrived? No, not in the West. I mean, you know... the. Not compared to in the world as a whole. In the West, I think women would say, we got it better than we had 50 years ago. Mm. Yes, it could be better. I, but it's, it seems like now women who... They're asking for special treatment. I don't want special treatment. I never wanted special treatment. I just always wanted to be equal. Right. You know, when I started on the comedy circuit, there used to be a thing where, you know, there's this whole thing when you're planning a bill that... The, the middle spot is the nice spot because the audience, first act takes the bullets, they warm the audience up. The last act, by then the audience could be pissed. So you go in the middle and it's, it's the easy spot. And when I started, they used to always put women in that spot because, oh, we were frail little women. And they used to call it a cunt sandwich. That promoted because it was the girl in the middle. It was a cunt sandwich. Now, it's, you know, now they say the girly spot, but they'll put a boy in there. So to me, we've made progress. At least we're not all being called cons. But, 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 it's, but it, is, it is progress, but it's not equality. It's not into. No, but there's more men go in that middle spot than women now. Yeah, it's women closed. I'm looking at this panel and I'm thinking, how are your. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we're back to I, I, I tell you, I tell <laughs> when I open my mouth. Uh, no, but, but, but that. If you look. The, I had an interesting thing that I, that I looked up. I started looking on YouTube at any clips of female comedians compared to male comedians. Yeah. And the amount of female you look up any female comedian on YouTube and there will almost definitely be a comment about the way she looks yes. on that first page women are judged so much more than men about the way they look you look up any male comedian and there'll be I, I have 
on YouTube, and I've got a lot more clips than Al. Um, I, I, um, <laughs> but I have a lot. I have. I've had. I was really upset because someone once. This is the real truth. I tell this story that someone, someone once put a thing going. Uh, I, I, had all, I had I had all these nice comments, Al, and I had a horrible comment. Somebody going, "Is this funny?" And someone wrote underneath, "Yeah, it is. It is funny, actually. What are you too cool to laugh at the old fat man?" It was a fan. <laughs> but, um, but, That's beautiful, but Miss, that Mrs. Cruttenden. <laughs> exactly. But I noticed that. <laughs> How did she get to the computer when she was tied to the sink in the kitchen? But, um, but, but no. But seriously, women are there. Are there are? I think that it's a good. I mean, I'm, I'm doing some slightly selfish point of view because I reckon I've become more of a feminist because I've because I've got daughters yeah, and I am too. thinking, yeah. are too. they going to have to live through? And it's incredibly selfish that you become more of a feminist but going that, the but, world they're going into. But, but that judgment rarely comes from men. That judgment, those comments, come from other women. Some Not of the always. most negative things I've ever had said about me have been said by other women. Well, yeah, but, that, but that's but almost people who are still part of that culture. They were, yeah, you know. But, well, perhaps, but I don't, th- you know, I don't, I don't, know. I it... don't think that's quite as bad as you know being stoned to death. Well, no one's arguing no, that it is, Jojo, but that, that, I mean? that's, that's a bit, that's that... a bit like saying that Jews shouldn't complain about anti-Semitism in in Britain because at least there aren't any pogroms and holocausts anymore. Right? <laughs> Bad, yeah. bad, bad things happen, and, and it's relative to the society that you live in. I, I, I say all this while noting that three men, I think, are currently gearing up to give a woman a lecture on feminism, which, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is slightly... Well, well someone, exactly. someone has to tell her. <laughs> um, slightly <laughs> unnerving. It's a lot more important thing than getting worked up about no. a pink pen. That's so, my point. Somebody so has to educate you so you can be free. Um, <laughs> No, but, uh, but uh, no, I do, I do, <laughs> I do see your point. I do see your point about that. But but I think because we, because I don't. Sorry, no, sorry no, to no, interrupt. The danger of turning women into little princesses that are helpful. I don't think this whole thing of protect all women should be protected and and don't expose women to things. You're turning. You, it's it's a reverse feminism. It's not empowering women by saying, oh well, you have to take a right to the door of the train station because, oh, she might get raped crossing the road. Well, as I, as I understand it, se- sexual the violence... The next thing is don't let them out of the house. What the fuck? We've, we're strong. We, women can fight as well as men. Uh, uh, I've been doing army gigs. There's plenty of women out there, you know, have been mm. fighting... But I don't. I don't. I, I think there's there's two arguments. One is that you shouldn't have to fight, and if misogyny wasn't rampant in our society, you wouldn't feel that you have to stress how happy you are to have a fight. I'd like to live in a country where you don't feel you have to fight all the time just because you are a woman. Men don't feel yeah. like that. And the second thing is the constant threat of sexual violence. So when we walk home tonight, if we're walking up a pavement and there's some bloke behind us, we will not feel threatened or nervous or scared. And many women, not all women, clearly, but many women will. And when how you will. then go on... I was going to say, how will. But the other, well, yeah, when you then you go point. online and you read... People trying to turn rape into comedy. People treating Chet Evans like a folk hero who is a convicted mm. rapist. People yeah. trying to defend the worst kind of sexual violence against women as, or, or, or threats of it as banter. I, I completely understand why empowered young women now feel the right to stand up and say, don't fucking treat no, me like this anymore. I might yeah, not be in a cunt sandwich anymore, but I'm still not a cunt. Absolutely. And I <laughs> will halt the discussion there, if I may. Uh, as we thought, we'd lighten the mood with a discussion that uh, we're going to uh, take a quick change of pace now uh, with my co-conspirator in, uh, in No Press To Be Funny. Uh, would you please welcome to the microphone, Mr. Nick Revel. So, it's Christmas. Uh, the other night I was at home and I'm on the iPad 
looking through, trying to find Christmas cards to send. And one of my favourite paintings is a painting in the National Gallery. It's a 15th century Flemish painting of the Nativity, and it's a beautiful little picture. It's only about a foot square. I think it's painted on wood, and I was just hoping they had a card of it, because it it is, it's so beautiful. It's, It's mainly darkness, and you've got this little patch of light emanating from maybe a candle somewhere. And it's, it's lighting this, this circle which is centred on the manger. And you've got, the, you've got Mary and Joseph and uh, a few angels sort of looking at this child in wonderment, this everyday miracle of childbirth. And at the back of the picture, through a window, you can see a little angel like it's been painted by a child, and some of that makes it even more powerful, and it's alerting the shepherds, and the shepherds going, fuck, what's happening? Something's happening, it's amazing, we don't know what it is. And the ox and the ass are there saying, I don't know what's happening, man, but this is something really amazing. And they're all gazing in wonderment, and there's light emanating from the child in the manger. And for me, it's a beautiful symbol, even if you're not religious or you're not Christian, of inviting us as vulnerable, weak, dependent children to depend on other people more powerful than us for survival. It invites compassion. It invites mutual dependence. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. It sort of tells you that there is hope for a better more compassionate world out there and, and I must admit I had been eating a plate of mushrooms <laughs> acquired from the gardens of Buckingham Palace and, <laughs> and at the same time as I was looking at this picture on the iPad I, I was also uh, reading a copy of the Evening Standard because I've acquired ADHD from living in the modern world and uh, although I prefer to call it multitasking to pretend that I'm in touch with my feminine side um, and, uh, and, and I see this story in the standard about a nightclub in Chelsea somewhere run by some rich friend of one of the young royals where the minimum spend on your table is £1,500, which gives you a bottle of champagne, a whole bottle of champagne for £1,500. And my first thought... That is fucking repulsive that anyone has that amount of money to spend on a night out. But I think, hang on a minute, we all spend money on luxuries that people less well-off than us would consider an extravagance. And we, you know, I'm sure many of us tonight will be spending more than 12 quid on a round of drinks when we could be giving it to shelter to give somebody a bed for a night or to help for heroes or whatever you feel is important. So it's impossible, really, to draw a line and say... That's acceptable. That's out of order. And then I thought, £1,500 minimum spend? No line. There is a fucking line. Where that line is, I don't know exactly, but going on the lash once in a while is on one side of it, and spending £1,500 on a bottle of champagne is definitely on the fucking other. We're living in a world with food banks, zero-hours contracts, public services being trashed, and these rich people, who haven't even fucking worked for a living, are spending £1,500 on a minimum spend on a nightclub bottle of champagne. And I was thinking, come on, Nick, calm down. Just lose your anger. It's the season of goodwill. Look at the painting again. Look, think, about, <laughs> think about compassion, goodwill to all men. Wouldn't it be nice in this season of goodwill to be able to go to that nightclub, just slip in with a briefcase full of Semtex, slip it under the table... 
set the timer, get a taxi home, put a bottle of champagne in an ice bucket from your local offie, 35 quid, and pop the cork when the carnage comes on the news. And of course that's wrong. That is really, really wrong. What I should be thinking... If only there was some kind of high-tech suicide vest that enabled you to be there and set off the explosion and actually see the look on the faces of those arrogant, young, rich, parasite scum as they heard the bang and realised that their inherited wealth and their gilded lives and their expensive education was not going to prevent their expensively coiffured heads get blown right off their shoulders in eight second flat. No skiing for you this winter, Lavinia. <laughs> and all I would ask in return was to survive long enough to be able to tweet it out. <laughs> With a vine clip, obviously. <laughs> OMG, YOLO, motherfuckers, BMAO, blow my ass off. Hashtag fucking worth it. <laughs> and that is wrong. That is disgusting for me to express that kind of violence out loud. Even with poetic license, that is wrong, you know? Even though I would argue that these super-rich, with all the wealth and power that they have and that they're accruing more of, are just as much a threat and a destruction to our society as Islamic terrorists are or CIA torturers are. And I've been reading a lot about that Senate torture report this week on CIA torture. Both sides of the argument trying to work out how much of it is valid, how much of it is partisan. Couldn't really decide. I've been reading a lot of stuff and then Dick Cheney went on Fox News and said it was a pile of crap. No further research needed. I know what side of the line I'm on. The CIA definitely used torture. It's vile. It's wrong to commit violence on another person. It doesn't work, and indeed, it's counterproductive. But most of all, violence is plain, plain wrong. So I'm just so relieved that the British intelligence services were not involved in that torture <laughs> in any way. And we know that they weren't, ladies and gentlemen, because they asked the Americans to cross out <laughs> any references to them in the document. And if you cross it out, it didn't happen. We all know that. Ah, Mr. Bond. Oh, good morning, Q. Sorry, I can't do Daniel Craig. <laughs> what amazing high-tech gadgets do you have for me today? This, Mr. Bond, it's called Tipex. <laughs> Tipex. Yes, but no ordinary Tipex. When you remove the words MI6 from a document with this Tipex, it automatically makes the British people believe that MI6 were not involved in the scandal. What scandal? You see, it's working already. <laughs> I just want to stress that I really feel ashamed having those violent fantasies that I talked about in my imagination, you know. Even if I hope it's clear, I hope it is, then I'm only using them for, for comic or polemical effect. I mean, once you start feeling that it's right to contemplate violence against another human being, you're open the, opening the door for anybody to do it what based on what their beliefs are, let alone the, the idea of causing suffering to another human being is utterly, utterly wrong. So when I got up and tight, uptight and angry, as I say, I turn again, I contemplate the beautiful little picture that speaks so eloquently of human tenderness and hope in the darkness. And I chant the mantra, goodwill to mankind, goodwill to mankind, goodwill to all mankind. And then another thought came into my mind. What if you knew that Dick Cheney was in that nightclub? LAUGHTER <laughs> <laughs> 
And what if, in return for being a suicide bomber, you would have time before you got turned into mincemeat to guarantee Dick Cheney a slow and painful death? What if you could take all the billions he earned from Halliburton's involvement in Iraq, keep a couple of million dollars back to buy enough champagne to waterboard him with, (laughs) turn the rest of it into paper money, pulp it and pump it up his ass till he finally begged for mercy and broke down in a paroxysm of unrestrained guilt and contrition and signed a public confession which unequivocally implicated George Bush, Tony Blair, Jack Straw and everybody else involved. So in the spirit of goodwill to all mankind... I want to balance this out by asking everyone in the room so that Dick Cheney can hear this on the podcast when those of you who feel it appropriate on account of three will call out Happy Christmas, Dick Cheney, to you and all your loved ones on account of three. One, two, three. Yeah, you see, this goodwill to mankind stuff. <laughs> Not so fucking easy, is it? Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas, one and all. Nick Rubble, ladies and gentlemen. Nick Revel. All, uh, all I can say is that I'm glad Nick's Revel, Nick Revel's father isn't the CEO of a major airline and someone didn't give him the wrong peanuts. <laughs> uh, I, I, do, I do come along with it and think, oh, I am vaguely left-wing, and then Nick says something like, I'm just not left-wing at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking we, we could have told you that. After yeah, the I know, I know. I'm a future. Sorry. But no, and so we, well, we're going to do CIA, but actually, having just mentioned that, that airline story as well, that was one of the big stories of the week. I just wondered, uh, we, we heard about the daughter of the Korean Airlines lady who, uh, she apparently made the man in question get on his knees and beg her forgiveness before having him taken off the plane, at which point some employees of the, uh, uh, of the airline then went to visit him and asked him not to tell his story. This is because... She wouldn't. She wanted her peanuts on a plate. Yes, she, he he made the cardinal error plate. of serving them in a packet, which I think we all know is well, the she'll... attitude of an utter wanker. Yeah. <laughs> um, the macadamia nuts, though, because you can't have peanuts on a plane because there's always some child at the back that's allergic and the dust gets in the air and kills them. That's why we can't have peanuts. Oh yeah. right, so macadamia nuts don't affect, don't don't no, give anaphylactic shots. But yeah. you will get killed by an irate Korean daughter. Yeah. That's what he's <laughs> well, in have. first class, they were meant to be served on a plate, and he panicked and gave her the bag, yeah. yeah. Oh. Am, I, am I sensing sympathy here? Well, you know, you all want women to be feminists. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she stands up for herself, and apparently it's a news yeah. story. Well, yeah. What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you on, uh, on, uh, on public transport, Michael Deacon? <laughs> um, it, it wasn't actually to me, but... Um, this is the worst behaviour I have seen on public transport. This isn't which your was, son was, again, is it? He was nine is, months old. He was nine months <laughs> old. Um, I, I was getting the train up uh, from London to Edinburgh for Christmas a few years ago. Uh, go and see my parents who live up there. Um, and uh, it was an absolutely packed, as it always is, on the, the train up a couple of days before Christmas. I had a ticket, but I didn't have a seat book, so I was standing. But quite a few other people were standing. And one of the other people standing was Jack Charlton, um, the, um, <laughs> the former England defender who won the World Cup with England in 1966. And he was standing, and the guy's in his 70s now, and he didn't have a seat. And I thought, well, hey, I'm looking around here. Is no one going to offer up, up their seat for him? And I, I looked around, and I saw, you know, in this carriage, quite a lot of young men wearing football tops sitting down. And I'm thinking, is no one going to offer 
let's see, you know, to not only an old man, but, you know, but a World Cup winning hero. And then I noticed a couple of them sort of conferring and pointing Jack Charlton, thinking, oh, good lads, good lads, you're going <laughs> to come up and uh, offer you seat, good boys. And one of them walks up to him um, and says, um, Mr. Mr. Charlton, um, I hope you don't mind, but could I have your autograph, please? Yeah. And he gives the autograph and he says, oh, thanks, thanks very much, Mr. Charlton, uh, you're an absolute hero, goes back and sits in his seat again. <laughs> <laughs> and this kept happening throughout the journey. Another young lad in football top would recognise him and come up autograph, sit down again. Jack Charlton stood from London to Newcastle, which is a My nearly goodness. a four-hour journey. Were you, sit- there Are you-, were you the sitting yourself at the time? The whole time. No, no, I was standing as well. Right, right, I was right, 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 so I couldn't oh, yeah. <laughs> Sitting there going, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> terrible. <laughs> 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 there I write for the Telegraph. <laughs> I, I couldn't... <laughs> Charlton can't. Is this not first class, Jack Charlton? No, 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 no. Unbelievable. Once again, how Grumman comes in and goes, Can he not afford to upgrade? This is a story about Poor Jack has fallen upon hard times. The shredded wheat adverts have dried up now. He's famously tight, Jack Charlton. When he was manager of Ireland, he did that thing where every time he bought a round in a pub, he'd pay with a cheque in the hope that they'd frame it. Behind the bar and never and never cash it. It's, 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 it's a true story. I, uh, Michael's reminded me of. I had one ready for you there, but Michael's reminded me of another one I had ready. My wife got off a boat in Egypt, and slung her rucksack before she met me. Slung her rucksack over her back. Just as she was stepping off the off the ramp, I appreciate a boat. You make it in sound Egypt. like you'd paid for her to come there, and she uh, was an internet bride a boat before <laughs> she met me. But, then but a boat in Egypt's not everyone's idea of public transport. But we're among friends, and she threw the rucksack <laughs> over her shoulder like this, and a gentleman licked her armpit all the way up from there. And that's how you met. <laughs> we do have pens and paper. A lot of the second half comes from the suggestions that you, the audience, make. So if you want to write anything down you want talked about in the second half, uh, pens and paper, write it down. We'll collect it over there and come back. And the panel will be joining us again. The second half will be chaired by Mr. Nick Revel. But in the meantime, thank you very much for your kind attention for the first half. Please give your applause to the panel. Thank you very much. Right, let's have the panel back. Keep the applause going, please, for Jojo Smith, James O'Brien, Michael Deacon and Hal Crattenden. Sitting comfortably? Yes. yes. Good. Okay. Welcome back. Um, so we've got a good pile of stuff here. We've also got other stuff that you want to talk about, I know. This was a nice one. I like this. Would the NHS waiting list become shorter if run by the CIA? <laughs> <laughs> I think we know the answer to that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'll probably yeah, they'll probably invest. They'll probably be a, well. They'll probably be taking over this, the uh, the NHS. Won't they? They'll probably own the investment banks in the states that are taking it over. Um, but I'm talking too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shit, that's why I'm such a bad chairman. Normally, <laughs> I can't believe your self-awareness. The thing that worried me about the torture story: there were apologists coming forward. So, some yeah. of them are. Some of them quoting the fictional character played by Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men. It's quite astonishing. Carol Malone's column in the Sunday Mirror today says, as Jack Nicholson said in A Few Good Men, you can't handle the truth. And I thought, well, no, hang on. That's fictional. That's like saying, as Andy Pandy once said. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. Andy Pandy had very strong views on torture. But it's it's neither the time nor the place, Michael, (laughs) frankly. But but, um, Big Big Ears was the real bastard. But the... But, but, but the apologists get the flower pot men to talk, could he? <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 
So split the niche. room there, but yeah. those who know what I'm talking about. Generational specific humour, something for everybody. Sooty but kept up his silence. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't, if you were an apologist for, for torture, or, or just a defender of it, and, and the old ticking time bomb meme where you say, well, what if, what if, what if, then if the head of the CIA comes out and says, no, look, we, we, it was really important that we did this and it achieved loads of stuff, how can they actually believe him unless he's been tortured? Absolutely, yeah. The other thing is that... <laughs> but, but <laughs> I, I'll let that one hover yeah, above the yes, room for yes. a moment. Just only a few intelligent people laughing. I don't get it. What's it mean? <laughs> what, what I was going to say was that it, it, it's interesting that if they, you know, they're defending it now, but if, if it's so necessary, why did they... And if they felt that it uh, was going to be controversial... Well, so I'll, I'll start that again. For the podcast. <laughs> Hello, Nick. You're editing yourself now on the podcast. <laughs> I know. God, this is an existential minefield. Um, <laughs> why would they just not uh, come out clean and say, look, we need to do this? You know, why would they keep it hidden in the first place? If it but, but did they really keep it hidden? Surely it's one of these reports has come out and you go, well, we all knew this. Isn't this like Bloody yeah. Sunday? Isn't it like all the things where you get a report out that goes, this actually happened for years. Everybody's been going, yes, they tortured. Well, they call mm, it enhanced mm. interrogation techniques. It's yeah. like, it yeah. sounds lovely. It sounds like you're getting your hair done while you're getting your nails pulled out, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, it does, doesn't it? Um, because you're worth like, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, but You've surely, lost so much weight. <laughs> but but did that not surprise you as well? That everything that's come out, we all thought was happening anyway. It wasn't just Nick. Is you know you've got massive conspiracy, paranoia theories. But um, me, yeah, I think you have. But um, who no, told no, you? Who told you? No, but but, but I was I was thinking about something about was it John? This is in the eighties, but it still hasn't been come out properly. There's a thing in Northern Ireland about the shoot to kill policy. Mm. There's never still been a report saying that the security forces in Northern Ireland had a shoot-to-kill policy. And yet, I know I've, I'm, I actually, that there are people who, in Northern Ireland definitely say they definitely had a shoot-to-kill oh, policy did. because they were in the security forces at the time. I, I, it doesn't make me, me going to get subpoenaed if they have no, thing. No. But, um, but I, I can I tell hope you so. on that. Can you imagine me on that? Oh, hello. Quite exciting, tense. Um, oh, what do you want to know? Oh, crush I'm only really, really good at talking about me. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> Crossington has become too powerful. We must yes. I love the no, idea of Hal giving evidence, giving evidence at a, at a very important military tribunal and saying, "Do you think we'll get a second series?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, but a parliamentary committee with me going, "When, when does this go out?" Well, go, um, but, but, uh, oddly, no, but, oddly, actually, if I'm, I'm going to stop you there just for a moment, Hal, I'm not going to. I'm only going to arrest your flow, not yeah. completely stop it. You're, God, you'd be so. You wouldn't need to be tortured, really. No, would you? I, no, would. no. But, I love it. I would. Oh. Switch the lights it is. Yeah. You make a very good point, which is the fact that, you know, the Americans have actually come clean <laughs> and admitted this. Yeah. And the British are still trying to deny it, not only over their uh, complicity with, with the CIA on this, but, 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 but in, uh, in but, other... But am I... But, but the, does anybody else... I mean, do you... It's, it isn't shocking, the report, is it? Isn't it no, something that we, is all, we is, all knew that No, that what, what, is, what is shocking is the admission from, 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 the, from the highest level. So I, I know this sounds a little naive, but if you are looking for a claim to the moral high ground, the fact that the leader of uh, the free world has insisted upon this report and endorsed its, its publication and pledge never to do it again, while open to criticism, is morally superior to what, what his enemies do. And, and yeah, um, yeah. That, 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 to me, is, is, is poss possibly clutching at straws, but I'd rather be on the side of the people that own up to what the 
real bastards did in their name than me on the side of the people who give them, yeah, you know, awards absolutely. and 72 virgins for absolutely. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, though, just to be serious for a second, you know, it's all right for you lefty liberals to complain about torture, but, you know, if these guys are innocent, why do they insist on being so foreign? Yeah. Yes. That's a very, very yeah. good point. Yeah, made good you point. Think. Very yeah. good point. Yeah, absolutely. Go. Willful. Willfully. <laughs> Anybody got anything more on that? We, or, or have we exhausted the comic? So no, no, it depends what you do to it. I'm sure, I'm sure if you exerted the right enhanced yeah. interrogation <laughs> techniques, we could come up with a couple yeah. more lines well, on this. Good. Right, let's move on. <laughs> Under UKIP rules, would Santa require a work permit? <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't, ah, because okay. he, he would come in, he would work for us, he would surrender his, his sort of dignity at the door and then when we've tired of him he would leave again which I think is, is it, acceptable under you that's policy. what they want yeah yeah I think so okay sorry I know good I no, that's good. he's no, not actually this is ridiculous because he's not working is he be, he could get in on a vacation I'd, like to, see, I'd like to see you deliver presents to every yeah, child he's not, he's not getting paid for it though so it's not he's volunteer so volunteer he exactly <laughs> So the whole logic the way forward. thing is ridiculous. Like, like so the RNLI, real. like a lifeboat it's man. It's not real. It's not real. Work experience, exactly. So elitist. <laughs> the real. thousands of ordinary, hard-working British Santas who are put out of work by the Laplander yeah. coming over here, yeah. taking that one job. Why, and um, why is it always elves from, from Finland or whatever? Yeah. Why can't it be leprechauns or, or indigenous I, dwarves? Where, where are the, where <laughs> are the <laughs> British pixies? Reindeer. The British reindeer. The pixies should, never get a never fucking look in, do they? <laughs> we should, I, I, I think we should adopt the Lapland point system <laughs> yeah. to, avoid, to avoid all confusion. I just suddenly got the image of Jimmy Cranky. It's the only person <laughs> I can think would be a good elf. Sorry, I'm... The question is, <laughs> you say all this stuff, how would you feel if ten reindeer moved in next door to you, eh? You yeah, yeah. That's a very good point. It's a very good point. Yeah. Mind you, you can drink their urine and get high on it, because they eat those hallucinogenic mushrooms up in the uh, Arctic Circle. Happy so days. <laughs> paranoid thing. You've led a strange life, Nick. Oh, God, hey, he's it, in charge it, as well. Here's one um, for <laughs> Here's one for you, Jojo. Which sandwich will be served at the LGBT UKIP group at the next party conference? Definitely come. Uh. <laughs> Don't you pick. Um, James, are you going to have any round robins on your show this year? Oh, that's a lovely question. Only, only if I get sent them. I, I, this year it's a bit quiet. It's, 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 I mean, this is a bit niche, so I'll be brief. You know those things that people send out? You met someone on holiday in, in Magaluf in 1984 and they've been sending you not only a Christmas card every year since, but actually you moved out of the house 10 years ago, your neighbours are still getting it, containing that, that photocopied thing about Uncle Albert's hemorrhoid operation went very well in March and then in April we decided to go to the Gnome Village just outside St Ives and May was a very interesting month and you just sort of find a beautiful comedy seam in there but I don't know if they've stopped so the answer is if you've got one phone me tomorrow 03456060979 Melanie in Watford's in the front row you should, you should be there Melanie surely if you've got any round robbers I want to hear about them at this point can I just check does anybody want to do a traffic report uh, what's your most important story do you think of the year Michael what would you say? Well, um, I don't know about most important story. My favourite story, actually, was UKIP Carnival. Now, did anyone, <laughs> does anyone remember that, or indeed, did anyone attend that? Because UKIP Carnival, right, it was in the run-up to the European elections uh, in May, 
um, and UKIP decided, I don't know where they got this idea from, but they got this impression that people think they're a bit racist. I don't know why. <laughs> but they decided, we've got to combat this. And they obviously had some kind of meeting, and they thought, what can we do to show that we don't hate the foreigns? And someone said, well, what do foreign people like? And someone said, I know, we are going to have a carnival, because... We're going to have a carnival for ethnic minority people because, you know, the, pe- the brown people love de-carnival. Is that right? <laughs> That's what we're going to have. And that is actually what they had. They held a carnival for ethnic minorities in South London. And um, so, obviously, all the journalists turned up for that. We were all there early, and we saw a steel band being set up because, obviously, the, the people with the brown skin love de-steel band and de-steel <laughs> as, as I believe you can understand it. Um, and we said to them, so, guys, you, you're, you're setting up your steel band, and... You, um, what made you um, agree to play at a carnival for UKIP? And I said, what? I <laughs> <laughs> said, yeah. well, no, it's, it's quite unusual, you know, steel band, UKIP, you know, the idea of UKIP having a carnival, that's weird. And they're going, no, what, what, is it, what are you talking about? And they say, well, you agreed to do this. And they're saying, no. And it turned out, UKIP had booked them without actually telling them that they were UKIP. Wow. <laughs> and once the journalists have broke this to them, they refused to play. And you may not believe this, but the carnival actually went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> because incredible as it may seem, some people who didn't like UKIP turned up and were just constantly shouting racists and bigots and that kind of thing. Some people who did like UKIP turned out and were started saying, well, if you don't like it, go home, go home, a lot of you, even though most of the people protesting were white British people. <laughs> um, and Nigel Farage was meant to be the big event. He was going to turn up and do a speech. Um, he was sitting in a car around the corner we had. For some reason, he didn't show. I don't know, maybe he just <laughs> he forgot an, a, a prior appointment. And, and, and he was too arrive. upset about the steel band cancelling. He's know, a very he big to... fan of reggae. He is, you can and, imagine. And, you know, Caribbean music generally... And he was heartbroken about that. But that, that was a, a wonderful event, and I just hope it happens every year. I don't know if you have any plans for that. Well, uh, d- related to, to UKIP, and, and somebody put this in as a, as a remark, the rise of the Green Party, who are, well, they've got half as many MPs as, as UKIP have, but they don't get half as much media coverage, yeah. do they? Anybody got any thoughts on that? They don't get any. But they don't really, do they? Well, they, they, they're not as popular in the polls, though. You look at the polling, you know, typically, you know, Greens are doing well if they have, say, you know, 6 7%. Very often, you people have but the green, the 20 green, or 20 yeah. odd percent. So, yeah. But the yeah, Greens so were doing better than UKIP when they were doing better in the polls when they had their first MP. I, 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 think, I think the, the rise of UKIP is, is a media um, confection. And, and again, I'm, not, I, I, I'm trying desperately to, to put an arm around the shoulders of these people rather than to carry on punching them because what happens if you're frightened and angry is that you want to be sort of more frightened and angrier whereas with the greens they're suggesting the opposite of that so the the the, the reason the greens don't get the attention is because it doesn't sell papers it doesn't sell papers to say do you know what actually the world is getting warmer what sells papers is saying no you're right you're mad and everyone in your own family doesn't want to sit next to you at weddings but guess what here's a newspaper editorial that says the world isn't getting warmer yeah. think, suddenly think, you're validated I, I think you're overestimating the influence of newspapers people don't buy newspapers and I say that as someone who works for a newspaper frankly so I, I don't think it makes that difference but it's a narrative about though. It's no, a, people it's don't buy your newspaper that much <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but they do buy our, no but uh, uh, well, we are talking no no I'm seriously, I'm not serious. But, but there is that thing, the tabloids are still bought. Uh, only the best people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the newspapers that do sell, sell, sell fear and anger. I mean, they, they mm. genuinely do. It's a fantastic business model. It works on the radio, it works on the telly. This isn't a criticism or, 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 or a condemnation. It simply does put bums on seats. If you think about the boy who cried wolf, it's bollocks. If, if you've got enough invested in that flock of sheep, 
then it doesn't matter how often the boy cries wolf and lies, if you've got enough invested, if you genuinely think that your whole livelihood is going to be eaten by a wolf tomorrow, the boy who cries wolf will always be believed. You will always go running up to the meadow to protect your flock from the wolf that doesn't exist. The bloke at the other end of the village going, this is the 347th day in succession that there has not been a sign of a wolf in this part of the world. (laughs) No one gives a shit about him. But the, the I it's all just a distraction, yeah. though, isn't it? It's, it's, it's just, you know, they're like the shiny things to distract people. Yeah. While you're all looking at, oh, you keep, you keep, you keep, the real evil is going on. The, mm. You know, the real dismantling yeah. of our whole society. But well, no, 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 no. It's while you're looking at immigrants, immigrants, immigrants that the real evil is going on, and the people telling you to look at immigrants are the really no, but it's the evil media politicians. That are making you keep totally. Thing. Yes, no, totally. And that's what totally. I'm saying. The media, you know, and who owns the media? The, um, people, the people that own all the other bloody stuff. You know, they're the ones, yeah. they're the ones that media, own the government. I- immigrants like Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's um, not even human. But, um, alone, the the Green Party has scare stories, though, you know, about the environment. People don't believe that particular story. They do believe the one about immigrants. Why do you, well, think, but do you think they're scare well, yeah, stories? There's no personal responsibility. Stories? It's about, oh, it's always, it's always well, them. It's no, them. Whether it's, yeah. it's right or wrong, oh. it is a story that is scary, but, but people aren't as scared of it for whatever reason. They don't they want to be wrong, but they are scared about immigrants, and yeah. therefore they are prepared to listen to UKIP and not so much the Greens. But it, yeah, it, it appeals those sort of base fears, doesn't yeah. it? When, when yeah. UKIP says things like, we're saying the stuff that everybody's thinking, we're going, well, yeah, but sometimes you think things that you're not proud of thinking. Mm. There's not, not I've no go, idea oh, what you're I, talking I really about. Like, no, but, no, but do you know what I mean? There are the, you might as well have a party going, I think you should shag your best friend's wife if you fancy her. You know, um, because we've all thought it. Okay. Um, do you know what I mean? It's that, isn't it, though? It's that, it's... it's I, I think that's... But, but a... it's the same thing. That's... I'm going to rescue you here because I think that's the perfect point to bring on the man whose best man you were (laughs) (laughs) last Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, with subterranean homesick news, Mr. Alistair Barry. I didn't even waterboard him, Alistair. <laughs> I don't need to with Hal, frankly. <laughs> Nature gave him his own cocaine. Um, <laughs> which means that sometimes he's uh, off doing other things when I'm talking to Dawn, his wife. But let's crack on. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, they actually took that seriously. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it happening? Yes, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, many of the regulars will know how this works. This is subterranean homesick news. Uh, you'll know how it works. I, I hold up cards with words written on them whilst sniding over the top. However, I'm afraid I totally ran out of time this week. I did this in a hurry for a change. Uh, I had my family round for Christmas lunch as I'm going to be away for actual Christmas, which is part of an ongoing plan I have to enjoy the festive season. <laughs> anyway, here is a summary of the year's news events that didn't take me too long to do. First up, Malaysian Airlines released Flight 370's last known whereabouts. Number two, British Air Traffic Control releases every flight's last known whereabouts yesterday. Uh, Number three, Tian Tian, the Edinburgh Panda's pregnancy test. Number four, Oscar Pistorius's conscience, allegedly. (laughs) Number five, UKIP's favourite colour. (laughs) 
It's nice of you to show us, but we yeah. kind of worked yeah. it out. Yeah. <laughs> Number six, Vladimir Putin's Ukrainian battle plan, according to Vladimir Putin. Number seven, the colour of the grass in Qatar. Number eight, what Talisa can get bags of for you, according to the fake shake. And what the fake shake got instead. <laughs> Uh, every picture of Prince George up until yesterday. And finally, all our wishes, best wishes for a very merry white Christmas. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, well done. Yay! Alistair Barry. <laughs> the Scottish referendum, that was a really big event this year. Uh, do you think it's uh, settled down and been, uh, there's been a line drawn under it, uh, Mr Deacon? No, and I hope not. I hope we could, uh, I mean, I, as a journalist, I wish we could have a Scottish referendum every year. It was absolutely amazing up there. I was there for the last, I was gone for the last two weeks of the campaign, and it was unlike anything else that I've ever known in politics, because, one thing, people cared. I mean, yes. you had the biggest turnout of any <coughs> vote in British history, and a colleague of mine was doing Vox Pops in the street, and he says, normally you do Vox Pops, people do not want to talk to you, they're hurrying on their way, and they just don't... He said, people were queuing up to talk to me. They're saying, you're a journalist. Right, here's my view on this, because... And, I mean, it was, it was just extraordinary. I went to this um, rally, um, because you know how when this one poll came out two weeks before polling day, suggesting yes might actually be ahead, unthinkably, and everyone in Westminster went mad, and they all came up, they rushed up. A hundred Labour MPs came up on the train one morning to do a rally in Buchanan Street in Glasgow... And they were greeted off the train by this mad, yes-supporting Scotsman with his ginger beer and his ginger hair on a rickshaw, blasting out the Darth Vader music from Star Wars, <laughs> shouting, People of Glasgow, your, your imperial masters are here. Bow down to your imperial masters. They come all this way. Don't worry, they'll put it on their expenses. The whole time. <laughs> just the same lines again and again for about ten minutes while they were walking slowly through Glasgow from the station to Buchanan Street. All the way there, he didn't tire of it, um, people in the street just shouting at them, realising who they were, you're a disgrace, fuck off back to London. And then they all line up together, all 100 of them, with, uh, you know, no activists. And all of these yes activists have heard about it as well, and so they've turned up as well. And they just start chanting at each other, both sides. And I was standing between these two factions, and it was like being at Ibrox or Parkhead or something at, a, at an old firm match. And you just could not hear something. It was amazing. This does not happen at a by-election. No. Mm. And um, Ed Miliband turns up to resounding <laughs> boos. He's got a microphone, he's got a PA system. He starts a speech, and he has to give up because the chanting is so loud, no one can hear him, he can't hear himself, and he just stands there doing his enormous, glassy, scared smile like this. And it's because there's just no point talking anymore, and he just gives up, and he walks away. And this relentless abuse, I mean, it was absolutely extraordinary. When you... Uh, oh, sorry, Al. No, I have to say that I, I, I as a complete non-Scot, though I went to... I was in Scotland about four times this year or something, but I... I found it. No, I'm just saying I was there. I'm, I'm trying to say I had experience of the place. Are you taking me seriously? I'm not saying I'm... No, I'm saying I was in the country this year. That's, that's really good of you. I, they, still, they still talk of it on, on, on yeah, Princess Street. I'm just oh, it'll I'm be the Queen in August, but when does no, Muster no, Crattenden no, so coming so up so from so London? Forty. Oh, it's the Crattenden yeah. Express, Maggie. Uh, you stand yeah. here and you can wave you, to the grand man you, for the Westminster. You get walk-offs <laughs> on the show. Uh, no, I, no, the reason I was saying that was that Michael was talking about he'd been up there for it. So I was up there and I, I found, because I was... I don't, I'm not promoting this because it's over now, but I was doing a tour this year. There's lots of gigs in England. 
Lots of gigs in Scotland. And I found English crowds were not very engaged about the Scottish referendum. And I found that weird, because I found it the most emotional thing about this year, apart from all the great things in my personal life. But all the... Um, <laughs> the most... Right. No, the most emotional thing... I got so wound up about the Scottish referendum, because I absolutely see the political reasons. For most Scottish I... comics, most Scottish people I knew, Scottish friends, believed in independence. I'm glad the result came through, but, but three months later... Weirdly, looking at the political landscape in Britain, I kind of think I can't. I, can't, well, I can yeah. see why well, the well, Scots wanted independence. I think I, 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 well, firstly, I don't. Most of, uh, as Hal was saying, a lot of comics and the people we we know were mm. passionately, passionately in favour of independence. I don't pick up a lot of that kind of knee-jerk English hatred no? Good. up there. You do Glasgow as, well, as an English woman on stage in Glasgow, they don't like Really? But, I've but, never had that problem in Glasgow. Not an English woman, but any yes voter... <laughs> but any, <laughs> you with your but, feminist... Zing! But seriously, any, any yes... I mean, we don't have any Scottish yes voters here. No. <laughs> but they will say, they will say it's not about anti-Englishness. No. It's not about nationalism. It's about, it's, about, it's about never having the Tories. It's about being, a, you know, it's well, a more left-wing I, society. Yes. But this is my problem. London is a Labour voting city. Yes. The West Country, you have, you, well, you used to have loads of Lib Dems. You, loads of parts of the country don't feel that they have a democratic deficit that they are representing the rest of the country. What annoyed me was, was all these... Um, Scottish yes voters who say, oh, it's not about that, it's not about being different, but actually, to, to me, and this is, I don't know, to, to, what got me is I, I am, I do feel British, and I did feel mm. like it, we would be that's losing it. part that's of our it. identity. That's it, that's what I was and trying was to say. Complete, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and because the no campaign didn't run any sort of emotional level, yes. there was a complete lack of understanding exactly. for most yes voters about how British people would feel. And what mm. always got, and this is what gets me back, if we leave the EU in 2017, the anger that the other countries will have in the EU if yeah. we leave, the anger that the rest of the UK will have against Scotland when they go, because in the end there's loads of people you that feel like them, there's loads of people that do feel we're running too much from Westminster, there are loads of people that have that, and we don't have the option to leave. So because, the, yeah. you know, and I think the Good UK point. doesn't work, it will fall apart, England is one big country, so you know, but, but, but I, so it got on my nerves, that I sort of supported them, but I hated the lack of understanding that some of us are quite emotional yeah. about, yeah. about uh, the whole uh, British, you know, break yeah. Britain. Uh, but I think it's also, uh, I think there is a big... Uh, Seems to me that the, the socialist tradition in Scotland is stronger still here uh, in Scotland than it is here, and maybe that mm. maybe it's part of out of that idealism. But I wanted to ask Michael when you were doing your vox pops, mm. what kind of feeling did you get before all the Westminster establishment came up to really try and swing it to a no vote? What kind of did you get a feeling of which way it was going to go? Um, no, I didn't. But I, I was slightly worried about it because uh, you probably can't tell this from my accent, but I was actually born in Scotland and grew up in Scotland. It's not the broadest Scottish accent, I realise that. <laughs> but I, I was very worried. <laughs> Edinburgh, but I was... Um, it's, it's practically the home counties. It's just a wormhole to the, to the home counties, that. But, yeah, so, so therefore, particularly when there was that poll suggesting yes, that false poll yeah. suggesting yes... Was my it false? Why did you say it was false? No, no, sorry, I, I shouldn't say false, but I mean, it was, it was an outlier. Okay, I mean, it yeah, was the only one that suggested it. All sorry. the others said it would be a no, but that one poll made everyone Treating panic. Treating him like a caller there. That was very yes. rude of me. There you go. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? You see, people, what, what gets me, and, and the problem with the UK is I think there are cultures in, that, is, that is anti-English in all the smaller nations of the UK. 
that is all if it's part of what, no but that is there's a culture of anti the big country we all do it we go anti America because that's a big country I'm... everybody around China has a go at China blah, blah, blah. so that's why we don't really work as a country because they've got one big one that everybody can go the fucking English do this blah, blah, blah. And, and they've got a point you know they've got a point on certain issues because big countries will always uh, uh, you know shit on little countries but I don't think it's as true now and more, it annoyed I have Scottish well, friends going oh the English they're but, terrible imperialists but so more went, well, fuck it, your Scots well, went all over the world with us and ran the Caribbean well they did yeah true but at the same time you know you, you look like, at the amount of you, you, you look at the amount of non-Tory seats in Scotland and the oh way yeah. that they legitimately feel that they're having uh, a government imposed on them that uh, they didn't vote for you can see that but you have the same thing argument. in the north you have the same things in large but in a London doesn't make it right though does it no no but, mm. but they've got the option to leave and it annoyed, I was sort of bitter about it I sort of felt you're, you're frightened that they were going to leave and us. I think they probably will be very successful. I think they will go. I think it'll be 20, 30. Do, do you where think where does it end, though? I, mean, I understand what I you're saying. In Westminster, I want, free, I want freedom. Frankly, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, think, I think that the moment the oil runs out, Westminster will let them have another vote, and there won't, be, <laughs> there won't even be a no option on the ballot paper, frankly. <laughs> um, do you know, quite a good illustration of, of, of the news not being the important stuff is that in some ways the oil has run out. If, if the prices stay... Because OPEC's a busted flush mm. this week, yep. mm. and... and if, if it stays where it is now, the price per barrel, it's actually going to cost more to take a barrel of oil out of the North Sea than it is to leave it there. So <laughs> they're buggered. And they'll come help. crying back to Westminster <laughs> asking for our help and bounty. <laughs> But don't, you, don't you think the UK as a whole is is finished? No, 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 Hal. Right. Because because once you start going down that road, you're left only with yourself. So at some point, you will say, "Well, why the hell do I have to be in charge? Or why do I why do I have to approve of a policy that helps them and not me? Why do I have to approve of a policy that helps the Scots and not the English? Why do I have to approve of a policy that helps people in Cornwall and not people in London? Why do I have to approve of a policy that helps people in Basingstoke but not people in Berkhamsted? Yeah. And all you're left with is Cruttenden. Yeah, but I don't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Cruttenden Shire. <laughs> Population one. But, uh, but it would be a very entertaining place to visit. Um, we are on 9.30 now. I'm really frustrated because there's a load more I'd love to get through, but I think we do need to wrap it up or else we'll... We've got the bar, which is going to be open, uh, I think, until... Midnight, I believe, so we can stay and maybe have an informal uh, continuation of what <laughs> I think has been uh, a really good show. Um, I, 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 I want to thank you all for coming. I apologise to those of you whose comments didn't get through, but I'm going to keep hold of some of these, and we do need to discuss them in the future, like uh, TTIP and so on, and blah, blah, blah. But uh, for now, we need to wrap it up. We are back on the 25th of January, Burns Night, uh, in fact, the last <laughs> Sunday in January. <laughs> <laughs> and we got, and we got. I, I want to tell you who's on the panel there. Um, we got Bob Mills. We got Tiffany Stevenson. We got Helen Lewis, who's the deputy editor of the New Statesman, and we got Rich Pepiat, who was one rogue reporter who has been on the show before. He, I don't know if you've seen his film. And Ben Norris, comic, is doing the music. So that's uh, that's the show in January. Um, I, I really want to thank the panel. Jojo Smith, Hal Cruttenden, Michael Deacon, and our newcomer, Mr. James O'Brien. <laughs> I also. I also want to thank the pub for looking after us. And uh, I want to thank our, thank our technical team, our producer, Alex Grace, Paul Willers, and Jake Waring. I want to thank you for coming. Wish you a happy Christmas. Alistair Barry, your host in the first half. I'm Nick Revel. Thank you so much. And good night and happy Christmas.